High Venue Church, High Venue uh, Virtual Church. We uh, just wanted, this is uh, my lovely wife, Pastor Aaron, and, uh, and I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, what? Oh, you're whistling? This is my amen corner? No, that's okay. That's okay. Roll it. I have an amen corner here spaced um, two meters apart. And uh, I just need a little feedback when I'm preaching. And so um, we just wanted to welcome you to this virtual experience. Um, listen, we want to recognize that there are a lot of people that are joining us that are hurting right now. Uh, a lot of us have uh, lost our jobs or had wage, uh, wage cuts. The future is un uncertain. I know um, some of you, having jumped into a lot of uh, uh, Zoom calls this, uh, you know, this week before we record all of this, and, and these are, we're pre-recording the content right now, but... Um, I know that some of you have like parents who are getting a little bit older. Uh, my parents are getting a little bit older too, even though I'm not allowed to say that. But Amen. you know, they're not spring chickens anymore. And um, and I, I I recognize that we're uh, we're worried. We're worried about safety. Uh, we're worried about work. We're worried about the future and the economy. Um, I, I want you to join a virtual group today for support. And that's the place, if you need to roll of toilet paper, that's the place. If you need prayer, if you need yeah. support, if you just need somebody to listen to you, uh, that's the place where you're going to find that support. I really want, before you end the service today, I want you to be a part of a group. Please end them. Um, and uh, I mean, it's, I think that people are asking a different set of questions right now. I mean, our numbers, uh, even in the first week that we did the virtual was... Um, we had the most people in small groups that we've ever had. We That's just right. did them online, face-to-face yeah. -face and screen-to-screen. -screen, and we had more people attend our service, uh, our virtual service, with all of the different platforms that we're on and the sermon platforms. Um, so we want to say thank you for that, but also, um, also invite people to those as well because they really need to hear this message. So um, next week is, uh, is Easter. And so virtual Easter, what I'd love you to do, I mean, why don't you get dressed up and make an Easter turkey if it's just for your family and Zoom call your relatives all over the country. But why don't you invite them to this venue of virtual Easter experience at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. I feel like that's the thing there. Um, why don't you join them and then interact with them during the service as if you were able to invite them to our actual live experience. Uh, and last but, uh, but not least, also I would say go to VenueChurch.ca. Get your kids involved in the, in the kids' experiences, even the ones happening during the week. Um, it's been uh, an incredible time for them, I think, too. All right. Um, last but not least, I, I want to say this. I'm kind of a nerd and like a Lord of the Rings sort of a fan, but do you remember how um, there was those, those, uh, the, the stone of Orthanc? Everybody's like, oh my goodness, what a nerd. It's the only thing I'm nerdy about is Lord of the Ring. But, but um, the seeing stones that you could see afar, uh, and I feel like the internet is sort of like that. You can see afar, but what the enemy did in the Lord of the Rings was that he turned the stone in places that caused despair. So you could see far, but you could only see things that cause you to despair. Well, what I want you to do today is put the stone aside. And what I want you to do is hear the voice of God. I want you to relax the parts of your brain that keep you safe and relax, relax the parts of your brain that are evaluating. Let's enter into worship and the hearing of the, of, of the word of God so that we can see in this service what God wants us to see. All right, welcome back. I hope you had a great, uh, great time in worship. Um, I, I could have prepared my notes. Okay, I'm good, I'm good. Um, this sermon I've called The Storm. In fact, this series is called It Is Well, as in It Is Well With My Soul, How to Be Okay When It's Not Okay. Um, my wife told me, because I've, I've prepared this content before, and my wife told me, you better preach this uh, sermon series right now. Our people need it. Uh, I think the people of our country need this, and so um, 
She said, if you don't preach it, I'm going to leave the church. And I thought that that would be super awkward because then we'd have to Photoshop her face on everything, which is a little dishonest maybe, but I would do that just so uh, to give everybody a sense of calm. Um, how to be okay when it's not okay. How to be okay when you feel like the most unlucky person on earth right now. When you feel like the most unlucky, like, like nothing more could happen that's bad to you right now. I was in... Um, a thing called Youth with a Mission, which is a Christian missions organization. And uh, at, our, at our base, uh, our, we called it YWAM, at our YWAM base in Denver when I was young, I think I was 18. That seems like a long time ago now. No, Pastor, you're super young. Thank you. Um, so I was running down a set of stairs. And so um, because for me to actually go down every stair would take too long. So I was jumping stairs to get down because I was in a hurry to get to the men's dorm for something. And I was jumping down the stairs two at a time. And then the last one was kind of either an odd one or I just was feeling my oats. And I tried to jump the whole way down in the last one. And I, as I was jumping down, the heel of my foot caught the, it caught the stair and I went over top. So this is my ankle here, I guess. And this is my foot. And I went over top like this. And I landed on top of all of that and heard the, like the cracking that one would hear as they're, uh, as they're breaking their feet. And, um, and so super gross, I know. But anyways, um, as I'm laying there in agony on the ground, I was thinking to myself, how unlucky could I be? Um, I mean, that it was self-inflicted, you know, it was also worked in, into that as well. How unlucky, uh, you know, how unlucky, what, now, Anyways, it was self-inflicted, but um, because somebody was coming behind me uh, down the stairs and I'm like super, you know, I'm like a cope. I don't want anybody to see me in pain. And so I just, I got up and I did what I did, what I would do in that situation. You know, I'm blacking out, but I just like one foot hopped while like trying not to pass out down the hall and into my room and then onto the bed so that I could black out in private. And, um, and I remember the feeling of like, oh, how unlucky. This is going to affect my life for like months to come. And this is going to... Now, because I was young and stupid, um, it was always mind over matter with me. And that was how my dad kind of taught me. And, um, and so I just, um, within an hour, I was up and moving around on it. And I got the blood flowing. And then I was trying to run a little bit just because I figured if, you know, if I didn't think that it was super injured, then it wouldn't be super injured. Um, what it did was it kind of drove the injury a little bit deeper and got me off of my foot for a super long time because that's not what you should do with an injury like that, but, you know, whatever. What I want to say is I felt super unlucky and how I handled the initial injury and how I handled the initial crisis actually led to a longer recovery process for me that what I should have done was figured out how to deal with the incident, deal with the crisis right, think about it the way that God wanted me to think about my body at the time, but I didn't. I just tried to push through. I tried to ignore something. I tried to just kind of get through it, but I realized in that moment, like, okay, if you feel unlucky, if you feel like this crisis is landing on you in a bad place, look, let's listen to the voice of God and do the wise things right now. Um, as unlucky as you feel, here, I'm going to read you a story. I was doing some research. I'm going to read you a story about a lady named Violet. Her name was Violet Jessup, and she was nicknamed Miss Unsinkable. I found most of this in Wikipedia. She was born in 1887. Now, if you think that your story is bad, I just need to give you a little perspective here. She was born in 1887 to Irish immigrants. That's not what made her unlucky, by the way, if I could say that. Very lucky, very lucky. Okay, but she, was, um, she contracted tuberculosis as a child. 
Um, so she would feel like, oh my goodness, you know, and what else is going to happen? Um, her dad died from surgery complications when she was 16. So it's like one thing after another thing. Yeah. Then she moved to England. She went to convent school, had, had to look after her little sister while her mother was an ocean liner stewardess. And so now she's got to look after her sister and go to school at the same time. And she's lost her dad. It says her mom became ill, um, became ill so she herself, this violet, became a stewardess. Now, um, this is just an aside, but she had to dress her. She was, I guess she was good looking. She had to dress herself down to get hired. Um, as an ocean student, so that's definitely never been a problem in my life. I have to dress up to get hired. So, for 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 some of you, y'all are so beautiful right now. I know that you're hurting, and I know that you don't have any money, but y'all are beautiful, and you got to dress yourselves down. And I appreciate that. You're taking one for the team. Yeah, that's not my thing. Um, in 1911, get this. In 1911, she was on a a boat called the Olympic. It collided with another ship called the HMS Hawk. So you want to like unlucky on top of unlucky on top of she's good looking, but she can't even dress up. You know what I'm talking about. And then she gets in this, in this uh, wreck with this other ship. She didn't even, um, because of what was going to follow in her life, she didn't even write that down in her memoirs because it didn't even register as something that was super important wow. later. Why? Because in 1912, she was on a boat called the Titanic. She was convinced by friends and family to go on this boat. It took her convincing. Um, as she was being lowered in the lifeboat, a ship's officer handed her a baby. What are you going to do with a baby? You know, I'm wow. like unlucky on top of unlucky. People ask me, like, what's it like having four kids? This is totally, I ripped this off from a comedian. But like, what's it, have having, you know, what's it like having your fourth baby? I'm like, well, imagine you're drowning and then somebody hands you a baby. Yeah, yeah. So this is it. Like, she's like getting lowered in the lifeboat and then somebody hands her a baby. Now, um... And then she says that when there, she could finally got on the rescue boat, that some lady came and didn't say a word to her, just grabbed the baby and ran. Oh. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this lady would have, this Violet would have nightmares about like, I, was that the baby's mom? I hope that that was the baby's mom. I don't know if that was the baby's. I mean, can you feel this crisis? After, listen, listen, COVID is not the first crisis and it won't be the last one. Yeah. It might just be the first one that you've had to deal with, but there is a God who has been with us and with the human race since every crisis has ever come. And we're going to make it through this. Um, in 1916, she was on a ship called the Britannic, which was a hospital ship. Of all ships that should be safe, you would think that that would be uh, the one. It sunk off the coast of Greece <laughs> during an unexplained explosion. Torpedo. During the war, uh, it was actually hit by what they think is a sea mine planted there by the Germans. So everything that she did in her life seemed to sink. Right. And maybe you're feeling like that right now. Listen, listen to what she says, though. There was this spirit about her, though, that I don't know. They called her Miss Unsinkable. Now, if I was like hiring for positions as a stewardess, I would just be like, OK, have you been on any boats that are capsizing? Because I feel like you're attracting this to you somehow. <laughs> She says this in her memoirs, I leapt into the water, but was sucked under the ship's keel, which struck my head. So she hit her head on the bottom of the boat. She said, I escaped, but years later, I went to my doctor because of a lot of headaches. <laughs> he discovered I had once sustained a fracture of the skull. She died at the ripe old age for its time of, uh, of 84 in 1971. Wow. Now listen, Venue, I want to say this to you. Sometimes not dying is enough for the day. Sometimes you get up and look, you might not make some major grounds, but I want to encourage your heart and say, look, don't give up. 
Just don't give up. God is going to see you through this. I wanted to study today what the Apostle Paul did in crisis. Now, this is going to give perspective to your current crisis right now because this was a, real, a very real danger um, when he suffered a shipwreck. It says, when the time came, he says, we set out for Italy. So if things weren't bad enough in Paul's life, like, look, he, he used to persecute the cause of Christ, but then he started suffering for it and, and started churches in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, even the worst critic of Christianity has to look at the Apostle Paul and be like, there's something about this that I have to look into. Um, it says, he's, a, he's, he's in chains and he's on a boat headed to Rome to be judged, whether he's going to live or die. It says, Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was something on the coast of whatever. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast. To, you can't read those and pronounce those anyways. It was, several, uh, it was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. And so... In the stopping off, um, I'll just sum this up for you, they were losing time, and so they were under pressure of time. Now, let me lend a little perspective here, because the Titanic was a certain size, this ship was a certain size. So this ship was tiny compared to something that you would understand now. This ship was 50 meters long, 50 meters long. It was a big ship for its day, but it was 50 meters long. The Titanic was 270 meters long. So think about the difference in ships. Now, if the Titanic can sink, this ship can sink in a storm. Um, not that the Titanic sunk in a storm. I know that. I'm a history buff. <laughs> Obviously, it was an iceberg. Everybody knows that it was an iceberg. Okay. 2,600 tons of displacement this ship was, and the Titanic had 52,000 tons of displacement. So like roughly 20 times, 25 times the displacement. Uh, so you could put like 20 of these boats into the Titanic's displacement. Okay says, we lost a lot of time. So it's like pressure is adding up in our schedule. It says the weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. So this is a voice that maybe you had a year ago or a month ago in your life where God was trying to, through an agent, get you to shift something in your life. So can I just be your pastor? I need to, I need yeah, to yeah, yeah. just be honest. Financial freedom that you could have gotten into. Financial freedom groups with Dave Ramsey. That maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, okay, maybe God was working on something in your marriage and you played the escape card, like, I don't need to work on this anymore. I'm telling you, there's times in your marriage where you've got to work on stuff because you won't be able to ignore it forever. There's times in your parenting, there's times in your morality where you just keep telling yourself, like, hey, I'm not addicted. Everybody deals with it. Don't ever believe that, please. No, not everybody is addicted to what you're addicted to, and call it an addiction if that's what it is. There's these times in your life where the voice of God tries to penetrate that and that we ignore. And it says, um, men, he says, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. So, see, they didn't listen because we often don't listen when the voice of God is trying to get into our lives because uh, Paul was a theologian and a scholar. And they were like, you know, they had more experience with the sea. Uh, I'm going to be preaching soon about uh, Jesus in the boat. Why would you listen to a carpenter when there was fishermen in the boat? But it's funny how the carpenter calmed the sea. And so there's something in this here that God will send to somebody to you that you don't think could speak to you, but they will actually be able to speak to you with the voice of God. Now, he had some city miles on him, Paul had. He had 3,500 miles of sailing experience this far. They couldn't see that, though. 
He had been in three shipwrecks so far. He's like, I'm starting to get the, the feeling that I get before the, I get shipwrecked. He'd probably been in more shipwrecks than any of these guys. And, and <laughs> nobody thought that was, I thought that was funny. Laugh at home. It's hilarious. Like, he's got some city miles on him. There's something that the Holy Spirit is trying to get through to you right now in your life and something that he's been trying to get through to you for a while, I think. This is about the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. So sometimes we listen more to, and I got to say this, the politicians, sometimes we listen more to the voices of business, sometimes we listen more to than we listen to the voice of God. Um, since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, where all Albertans winter, not that Phoenix, um, further up the coast of Crete and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. So what they're saying is like, he's like, look, we should winter in this harbor even though it's not ideal in this harbor. And what I want to say to you is, I think by the Spirit of God, look, this is not ideal to have to hit a reset in the harbor where you find yourself right now, but it's time. And so it would be better to hit a reset now than to do what, what, what these guys end up doing. It says, when the light began blowing to, from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. It changed real quick, and, and this coronavirus hit us real quick. I don't know anybody who predicted this, other than the people who predict literally everything and that the moon is taken over by aliens and all that stuff, which I also might believe, and my wife is totally into conspiracy theories. But listen, nobody saw this coming. And so it's, <laughs> the weather changed abruptly, like the mood all changed. I've been chewed up, spit out, and boot off stage. One person has listened to that Eminem song. Yeah, yeah. Don't anybody listen to that, by the way, unless it's the radio version, and even that I probably wouldn't listen to, but that was for somebody out there. And oh, <laughs> my wife has to laugh. <laughs> I put a ringtone on her phone one time. That was super funny. And in the Science Center in Calgary, it went off while she was getting, uh, with about you know, 1,000 kids in there, she, she was getting the, um, what do you call that? Like the intro to whatever the tour was going to be, and then her phone went off, and she did the fumble for like 30 seconds to try to turn off the ringtone that I put on there, which was super loud and funny. Anyways. That's for free. You horrible monster. I was doing it to bless her. Um, <laughs> anyways, and a wind of typhoon strength called a Northeaster or a Eurocladon burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. That is not what I want you to do with your life right now. Don't just let it run and just let it slide and just spend, date, whoever, don't do that. We got to turn the ship into the wind, but they let it run before the gale. The storm was driving. Well, if it's going to drive you, let it drive you to Christ. Let it drive you to hope. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, where there, with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. This is when you're like, I don't know what to do right now with my money, man. We're just going to tie a bunch of ropes around it and bury it in the yard. Like, they were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Assyrtis off of the African coast. So this was like the Bermuda Triangle of its day. Uh, the graveyard of ships off the coast of North Africa. They were deathly afraid that they were going to end up there. Now, you might be afraid in your small business that it's going to end up on the pile of small businesses here. I'm going to speak a little bit of hope to you today, I think, in, in the word of God. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship... 
the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now, this is everything that they could possibly make money with to make this, this mission make any sort of sense, but they started throwing that overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Like, hey, we're going to need that later. But it doesn't matter. You know, in the storm, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It starts paring away. Clarity starts coming, and you realize there's a lot of stuff in my life that I didn't need in my life. And um, some of it's got to go overboard right now, I think. You'd sell what you just bought on Kijiji a month ago if anybody was allowed to come to your house. Um, <laughs> like you would. <laughs> I just bought that stereo system. Oh, my goodness, I sell that. I need the money right now. Yeah, well, nobody's allowed to buy it. All right. Um, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. I, I don't think this was slipped in there by accident. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left uh, Crete. You would have, would have avoided all of this damage and loss. Um, my wife has said that to me in various ways many times. And that's like, I told you, so why would you, you wax the car with my wedding dress? Like, why would you do that? No, I, I never did that. That's a Homer Simpson line. But like, there's been a bunch of times in my life that were kind of close to that. Like, why would, you, why would you do that? Why would that make sense to you? I'm like... I'm a guy. It just made sense. I just wanted to try it. Um, but then he says this, and this is for somebody, take courage. Yeah. But take courage. No matter what got you here, take courage. Take courage. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Here's what I want you to take home. Your spiritual life is more important than the ship. Let it go. Your spiritual life is what matters in this whole thing. Let go of the ship. Let go that some people hang on to the ship. you got to let go of the ship. Let go of everything that you used to trust in up till this point in your life. Some of you, it's time to hit a reset on your spiritual life because you grew up in church, but you've been playing around with it. You've been playing around with God. You've been allowing him in in little bits and pieces. That is not the God of the universe. Your spiritual life is more important than the ship. It's time to let the ship go. You're like, I like the boat. I'm like, I like the boat. We all like the boat. The boat's going down. Let's, let's <laughs> let go of the boat. Let's concentrate on what matters right now. It says, For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong. Can you say that with confidence? The God to whom I belong. To whom, like, or was it like he belongs a little to me when I need him? Or the God to whom I belong, like all of me. And whom I serve. Can you say that? Are you serving God or are you just showing up sometimes you just come and eat in family dinner and then you go before the dishes are done are you serving God or are you just putting in time and eating God's food and he said don't be afraid Paul he, this angel stood beside me he said don't be afraid Paul for you will surely stand trial before Caesar what does that mean Paul's like you're saving me for something much worse and Jesus is like and this is, listen, if you take one thing home, take this home. This storm, I feel like this is what Jesus is saying to you right now through the Holy Spirit. This is how, I'm going to show you in the storm, how you fit into my plan. You've been trying to fit me into your plans, but I'm not a tiny God. I'm not a God of the people that you can have a little bit of me and a whole lot of something else. It's like it's me or it's nobody. And I'm going to show you in the storm how you can fit into my plan, Paul, and not how I'm going to just keep fitting into your plans. 
And if that's the only thing that comes out of this storm, you could leave this storm in the hands of God. You could come out with success. You could come out with a whole new way of life and a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of leading and a whole new way of that your company could, your whole new family. Come on. This is how you fit into my plan. Until the storm, you had time and you had distractions and you had resources and you had, now let's fit into my plans here for this. And the Lord says, I think thoughts of good towards you to give you a future and a hope. This can be turned around and it can be turned around in the purposes so that you fit into my plan is what God is saying. And then he, he says, the angel says, what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. That's a powerful word to hang on to. To everyone, now look at Paul's heart, and I hope that you have Paul's heart, and I hope if you don't, that after today you will have Paul's heart. Was Paul not spending his time more concerned about the people around him? If he died, listen, if you're a Christ follower, dying is the best thing that can happen to you. It's just going to be hard for the people that you leave behind. I need to be honest. This is why the gospel of Christ matters so much right now. This is the whole crux of the thing. This is the whole thing that, that creates all the turmoil and, and all the anger that comes against. It's this message here. Dying to a Christ follower is the best thing that can happen. I go to heaven to be with my Lord. No more pain and no more suffering because I have a connection with him here on this earth. If I have a connection and I'm part of his family here, I'm part of his family there. If I accept him here and follow him here, then I follow him there. And this is, when I die, it's too late to make that decision. This is the time I have to make that decision. And my heart right now needs to be not broken for my own state, not broken for how I don't feel, but how my neighbors are feeling right now. And people who, dying is not the worst thing that can happen. Dying without Christ is. And so that's Paul's heart is with the people on the boat. His heart is not even about his own welfare right now. It's about the people on the boat. But God in his goodness has granted safety to everybody sailing with you. There is protection. Even in this economic situation, there's protection, but you have to understand. Protection to the Shunammite woman from last week was Elisha. Don't let go of Elisha. Protection to these people was Paul. Don't let go of Paul. Right. The people with you, but the people with, without you, <laughs> I can't protect, but the people, there's something about it. Because of the call of God on your life, Christ follower, he's going to grant life to those around us. We have to keep in mind, you've got to be strong because he needs to grant life and safety to those around us. I don't mean that everybody gets what they want all the time because there's still shipwrecks. There's still the loss. There's still, I'm not saying everybody's going to make it, but in the middle of the storm, there is safety and there is protection. But we've got to hang on to Paul. And then he says, so take courage for I believe God, Paul says. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Okay. Let me be honest, this is going to hurt our economy no matter how quickly the coronavirus gets dealt with. It's going to hurt the economy. There's going to be a shipwreck. So let's define it. Look, I don't want to be like I'm, I'm optimistic, but in the sense of I'm positive and I deal, I'm a positive realist. My wife told me this yesterday. But what I'm not going to do is tell you that everything is going to be okay and everything is going to go back to the way that it was in a month. It's not. We're going to be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th day of the storm as we were being driven, 14th day, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailor sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. They didn't have one of those little GPS dealies where you tell where the fish are. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. 
Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. Now, some people that have been sailing your boat, some of the people that you've been looking up to right now, they are going to try to escape this whole thing any way that they can. But let me say this. If you're the people of God, that is not our job. We go down with the ship if the ship goes down because we care about the people on the ship. These sailors are all like, hey, I'm just going to go over here and check out the anchors. And Paul's like, you're going, why are you buy that lifeboats right now? Um, but Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. Now all of a sudden what Paul says matters. Even though Paul is not himself a sailor. He's like, no, 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 the Spirit is showing me something here that if they jump ship, everybody's going to die, including them. And so, and it says, so the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. Now we come back to this whole idea of eating. Two weeks. I mean, it looks to me from the text here that they hadn't, you've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. For two weeks, you haven't done the basics. You haven't, you haven't exercised. You haven't eaten healthy. You haven't, please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. You're going to need strength to get off this boat and swim to shore, he's saying, but you need sustenance to do it with. I pray that you would be spiritually sustaining yourself. Now, you got nothing but time, man. Develop a Bible reading program. Develop a prayer time. Get in a virtual group. Get help. Get encouragement. Come on. Listen to the word of God being preached. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Then he took some bread. I love Paul, man. He's in the middle of a shipwreck. He's like, shipwreck number four. He took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of Roman soldiers and a bunch of people that do not believe in God. He's like, we're going we're gonna to say grace now. This is like when grandma, if you live in that kind of a home, it's like, we're saying grace. And a bunch of the kids are like, I don't believe in God. And she's like, shut up. We're saying grace because it all came from God. And we, you might go to God right now. That's what she's saying. Thanksgiving. That's why we're doing this. Not so you can eat turkey. We're going to give thanks to God. Thank you, Grandma Cope. All right. He broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. Encouraged and began to eat. There's something that, that, that I would say when our spiritual leadership, I have spiritual leadership over me, is they're just like, hey, calm down. We're going to eat some bread. We're going to give thanks. And then we can be encouraged and eat. That's how I feel when I come under, under the spiritual authorities above me. I'm encouraged to begin to eat. All 276 of us were on, on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. <laughs> it's like, hey, don't worry about the wheat. Don't worry about the money. <laughs> we'll just throw it overboard. We've cut our losses. Our lives matter more. Our spiritual lives matter more. Our lives matter more. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and let them, uh, left them in the sea. Like, we're not going to need what used to anchor my life. I don't need anymore where this is going. I don't need that. Those anchors, they held me back from where God wanted me to go. We're just going to go and see where this goes. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers, listen to this, wanted to kill, as if like Paul's not unlucky already. Like he's going to where he ended up getting killed for the name of Christ by the sword. He's going there. He's in chains. This is his fourth shipwreck. He's been beaten. He's been killed. He's been, you could not do anything more to this man, but he still encourages the people around him. And the soldiers want to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. Like, I get why in Roman law why they wanted to. But Paul's like, really, man? Yeah. Where you been? Yeah. 
Where you, the only reason you're alive is because of me. Where you been, man? I was going to be like, smack, smack. Where you been? No, you wouldn't have done that. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan and kill everybody else. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held onto planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. I think that that is what God wants for you. Everyone can escape safely to shore. Listen, that's the end of my text and it's the end of my sermon. I want to say this. Your spiritual life is more important than the ship. Let the ship go. Let the ship... If you came to Christ, I feel some people were birthed into Christianity all wrong. They came to Christ because they thought that it was his main job was to, you know, make them feel happy all the time or give them a unicorn and sparkles. And that is not why Jesus came. He didn't come so that he could be nice to you. He came so that he could save you. And the ability to heal the human body is nothing compared to the ability to heal the human soul. And it is time Wherever you are at, some of you are far from God and you're checking this out and you're mad at God as if God brought the coronavirus here. God did not, God brings life and that more abundantly. It says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to apologize to God for blaming him for what the devil is doing. God is not the devil. Don't get the two of them confused. But your spiritual life is more important than this ship. Wherever you are, everybody knows that this is the time we need to hit a reset in our soul and bring our souls to God so that we fit into God's plans for our lives now. If we make it through this, I hope that you would join with me and be like, whatever comes through this, God, however small it is, however crazy it is, whatever comes through this, I want it to belong to you now. See, that's how you were supposed to come into Christianity. You weren't supposed to come in on a good day when the sun was shining and this was going to be an addition of joy to your life. Your already joyful and already fulfilled life. No, 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 no. I came into Christ because I was desperate to be saved. I came in because of pain and because of sorrow. I came in and that's how I was birthed through pain. That is the birth process. Well, there's another birthing time that we can have in this pain. There's another birthing time in the suffering where you come to Christ... Not to be happy, you come to Christ to be saved. You come to Christ so your family can be saved, so your employees can be saved. It's time to make your peace with God right now. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, right from home, right from your laptop. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name right now. We ask forgiveness of our sins, Father. Whether we are sons of daughters of God or we are not, I pray, Father, for everyone who is not right now, that we would say this prayer, Lord, forgive me for my sins, Jesus. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus that was shed so that my sins could be done away with forever, Lord. One sacrifice, one time for all for the sins of mankind. Forgive my sins. I have been trying to do good to outweigh the bad, but that's not how relationships work. If there's sin in me, I can't connect with the holiness of God, and the family of God is a place where the holy connect through the holiness of Christ. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. The rest of my life belongs to you. From this day forward, it belongs to you. And Father, for everyone else who is making a a renewed commitment, a reset button, Lord, I pray that they would pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, previously in my life, my life has been partly mine and partly yours and mostly mine, Father. I'm sorry. I filled it with other things that was never going to fill my soul and other things that could not save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the sin of thinking that you were okay with that and making a God as small as I was. That is not who you are. You are the God of the universe, and I need you to save me by the blood of Jesus Christ. I need you to hit a reset in my life. Make me desperate. 
make me feel afraid so that I come to Christ and, and I'm birthed in pain this time so that it sticks, so that my commitment to Christ sticks. And I pray, Father, for every person who's prayed these prayers that we would move forward in the grace and resurrection power of God. The death has to hurt, but the resurrection can be all the more glorious because of the agony of the death, Lord. And I pray for a resurrection for our country. I pray for a resurrection for our cities. I pray for a resurrection for our political scene. I pray for a resurrection for everybody working in the healthcare right now. I pray for a resurrection life to come to everyone who would follow the name of the Lord Jesus and come to you for hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, before we go, just a couple of things. We're going to take up an offering right now, um, an online offering. We'll put the slide up on the screen. You can see the different uh, options that we do. Look, we give because we love, and we give because God gave first. And God gave first, and we are a church that sows in the time of famine. I want you to know that this, uh, this last week when I record this, the week before this, we just gave $1,500 away to the local food bank because of your online giving. We gave $1,500 away to victim services. Look, my heart, look, you pack a bunch of people in homes and they're not allowed to leave, man. If stuff was bad before, it's getting bad now. And then you add this financial pressure. As a pastor, I know what happens in, in those homes. And, and listen, I, I thank you for helping us help them and just giving them some resources to be able to do that. And we're going to, listen, we are a generous church. And everything that comes in, we give, we give away parts of that. And thank you for, for being a part of this so that you can support this mission of the church to bring this message of the gospel and this message of hope to the lives of people and your families and your friends. I want to say this to you, Venue Church. Now is a good time to make peace with people, too. There's been unforgiveness and too much of it, and we've been distracted because of our stuff. But now's a good time to call your dad up on the phone and say, hey, dad, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Hey, dad, let's talk about this thing. Uh, yeah. To your sister, hey, you know what? I, I can't take the past away, and I don't know why you're upset with me, but I really want to move forward in our relationship. It's time to make peace with your spouse and say, hey, I've had this bitterness in my heart towards you for a long time, and I'm sorry. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be in my heart. I need to forgive you, and I need to let it go. And, uh, and I need to tell you what's bothering me right now. And uh, whatever you do with it, you do with it. But, uh, and I need to ask for your forgiveness because this has been my part in it. You need to make peace with people. Next, I would say you need to find your people in this time. Please hit a reset and find your people. Your people are no longer the people that you meet in random sporting events wherever your kids are. You need the house of God. You need the family of God right now. Look, you, you can do the other things, but, but don't supplement church. You know what I mean? Like, church is supposed to be our life. This is the house of God, the family of God. The other things we're supposed to supplement, and they would come and go, but we've treated, uh, in Canada, we've treated God as the supplement, and the church and the house of God as the supplement. This is where, the one place on earth where you can get everything that you need for the human soul, and it's time to put that, that church and the house of God and the family of God where it belongs, front and center of our lives. It's time to find your people online. Listen, if you've been part of Venue Church and you've never gone through NXT, you got nothing but time. Like, I know you got nothing to do for the next four hours. Not that it takes that long. Everything is super short because my attention span is super short. We'll send links up right now in our live chat rooms for you to do NXT. Is what's next for me at Venue Church? How do I get further involved? How do I start serving people where the magic is? How do I start coming to church when it's not coming to church for me when we can come back to church? There's other ways that you can uh, volunteer as well because you're like, you know, look, you need things to do right now. You need people to serve right now. And so don't just sit at home and expect everybody to serve you. You can get out and start serving other people. All right. Last but not least, invite people to Easter service. Text your mom in Saskatchewan. If she's like... Older, you should call her. 
because she doesn't have a phone that texts. It's fine. Um, get your cousins and like do a family gathering at venue uh, virtual experience. Bring the hope of life to them. Look, look, people who go to church twice a year need the hope of Christ. And I'm going to preach a, an Easter sermon that's going to knock their socks off. And you can tell them while I'm preaching it, like, oh, my goodness, this is knocking my socks off. And your excitement and your buy-in to this thing also opens up their hearts to hear the message of Christ. And if you're excited about it, then there's something in them that there's a seed of faith in there that God uses. And I want to invite you to invite somebody to Easter. All right. Last but not least, I want to pray over you. I already said last but not least. This is the last thing of the last thing. I want to pray over you right now a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining in the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are praying for you. Your pastors love you. Your teams love you here. And I just pray that we can all come together sooner rather than later. But until then, we've loved connecting with you here today. And we've loved connecting you with God. We love you. Have a great week. And enjoy this last worship song.